All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, buddies? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. Welcome to it. How's it going? Are you ready? Are you packed? Are you heading out today, tomorrow, Saturday? Are you already there? Is it coming down on you? The weight of the festivities, the glorious and exciting, uplifting weight of the festivities with family. How's the tree? Is the tree nice? Did you get a good tree? Did you decorate it good? Did you get some new ornaments? What's happening? Sorry, I'm trying to um, engage with my uh, non-Jewish friends who are doing the Christmas. Are those for the Christmas? That's, uh, that's an amazing scene in the film Boogie Nights. Oh, are those for the Christmas? Don Cheadle with arguably the best line in the movie. Oh, are those for the Christmas? Before blood splatters everywhere. Merry Christmas to you. Today I talked to Blitz Bazawule. He's the director of the new movie musical version of The Color Purple, which I saw. He's a filmmaker and artist originally from Ghana, and he was also one of the directors on Beyonce's musical film, Black is King. And I loved the movie. I like, I love his movies, to be honest with you. But I'll get into that in a minute. Los Angeles. I'm at the Elysian Theater tomorrow, December 22nd. I'm at Dynasty Typewriter on Thursday, December 28th. And I'm at Largo on Tuesday, January 9th. Then I'm in San Diego at the Observatory North Park on Saturday, January 27th for two shows. San Francisco at the Castro Theater on Saturday, February 3rd, Portland, Maine. I'm at the State Theater on Thursday, March 7th. Medford, Massachusetts, outside Boston at the Chevalier. Wait, let me say it right. Chevalier Theater on Friday, March 8th. Providence, Rhode Island at the Strand Theater on Saturday, March 9th. Terrytown, New York at the Terrytown Music Hall on Sunday, March 10th. Atlanta, Georgia. I'm at the Buckhead Theater on Friday, March 22nd. And I'll be in Austin, Texas at the Paramount Theater on Thursday, April 18th as part of the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. Go to WTFPod.com slash tour for tickets. A radio legend passed away a couple of nights ago. Jim Ladd uh, was one of the great radio personalities of the Los Angeles region. He also did an episode of this show. He was also on an episode of my show, Marin. The episode he did... The episode he did of WTF was episode 658 from November 2015. It's available in the free feed right now. Uh, rest in peace, Jim Ladd. Radio. Radio was something. Radio was everything for a long time. I think I learned how to talk on these mics on radio. And uh, you got to give respect to the, uh, the legends of that medium. Jim Ladd. Rest in peace, buddy. So listen, you guys, uh, I wrote a joke. Yeah, I wrote a joke. I don't always write jokes. I kind of do bits. It was a pretty easy one to do. So I did it. I said uh, on stage last night that um, Donald Trump used a line from Hitler. Yeah, he said that immigrants are destroying the blood of our country. Now, look, I know Donald Trump's a racist and it's not... The racism that bothers me, it's, it's, 
it's the plagiarism people. I mean, if you're going to take someone's line, you got to either source it correctly or cite your, your reference or, or just have the courage to just give the author credit. I mean, you know, come on, Trump, just be like, you know, as Hitler said is a nice way you could set it up like that or, or, or one of my heroes, Hitler, uh, put it this way. It's just, don't be a coward and plagiarism is bad. That was the gist of it. I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it was pretty funny. So many of you people know that I have a, I would say a latent thing or love for musicals. And the way, the reason I say latent is because I don't really seek them out. But uh, when I do experience them, they cause me to feel things. And I think in this conversation with Blitz, uh, we kind of come upon the reality that I, I, I believe the reason that I cry almost immediately when any large group of people start singing, whether it's a musical, a choir, not so much a band, but just something about the vulnerability of musicals. I don't know, man. I think we figured out that I don't, I'm not great at generating joy from myself, from the inside. But when joy is thrust upon me, my body shudders and experiences emotions that I, I want to stop, but I know they're good and I stay with them. I don't really want them to stop, but for some reason, I'm a little ashamed of them. I don't know. That's another journey. But, uh, but that seems to be the thing that happens to me when it comes to musicals. And I've been thinking about it. I, I think I really wish that I was the type of entertainer that could do a little song and dance occasionally. I'm not talking about singing a rock song uh, with my guitar and a band. I'm talking about like doing a little, you know, kind of a jaunty tune and maybe a, you know, kind of dancing around a little bit and, you know, and, you know, spread my arms open. Like, ah! I, I like even that, maybe I, maybe I missed, maybe there, maybe I didn't, maybe there's still an opportunity. Maybe I should work out a, a musical number from a musical with another performer and do the dance number that goes along with it. Maybe that should be on my bucket list. Maybe that's what I'm avoiding. Maybe I need to do that. Maybe that'll change my entire disposition around entertaining and having feelings and love and joy for the audience and, and just really giving people a, a, a nice, emotionally well-rounded good time. That's what I'm missing. That's what I need to do to, without irony, do a musical number or two from a musical with dance steps. But I'm putting that on the list. I'm putting that in my mind. I'm putting it out there to you that I will manifest it. I will. Now, look, talking to Blitz Bazawule, he hasn't made a lot of movies, so I was able to really kind of dig in. And I had some realizations, and these were not realizations that I haven't had in some form before. I watched a couple of his short films, and I watched his first feature, uh, The Burial of Kojo, which he shot in Ghana, which is where he's from, which is where his brain developed, which is where his sense of poetry, mythology, storytelling, and uh, color comes from. And I had this realization, which I've had before. I had it when I watched uh, Reservation Dogs, that when you look at the world 
through the point of view of an artist from another place, another culture, uh, a completely different visual sensibility because of that, you know, that's how you see or experience that culture. If you're not going to go there, I'm not going to go to Ghana. And I just had this, this kind of beautiful experience with Blitz's first movie, uh, The Burial of Kojo, around the poetry, how he structures story, you know, how he sees um, composition and color. And, and it, it really is why, you know, movies are so important and why art is so important again, is that it connects you with the humanity of the world of others, of the point of view of others, the point of view of, of people that you, you think are different than you or come from a different place, something you'll never see and can't imagine if you won't travel there and, in and kind of, uh, uh, entrench yourself or engage yourself with a different culture on that culture's terms, but you can do it through a movie. And it was kind of mind blowing to me to kind of put that together and then to move through his other work, to watch, uh, black is King, the Beyonce, uh, concept musical, I guess, concept album musical. And, and then to watch the color purple, which I saw in New York at a friends and family screening cast and crew, friends and family type of screening. It was spectacular because many people from the cast of this new film were there and, and many people were in the audience from the, the several uh, versions of the Broadway musical. Some of the original cast was there. It was very emotional for some of the cast of the film to meet their, their counterparts from the past. There was an amazing moment between uh, Danielle Brooks, who plays Sophia and the original the woman who originated on stage, who inspired Danielle to to pursue a life in theater. Uh, and we, we all witnessed that. And Fantasia Barino, who who was on stage with it, is also in the movie. She plays uh, Celie. And it was just to be at that screening was uh, kind of spectacular to uh, to see the emotional depth of the impact of that show on this new cast as humans and as performers was really something. There is a, a tradition to it almost, a history to it, a story that's been told several ways from the book, from Spielberg's film, from several versions on Broadway. And it's a story that's pretty dug in to black culture in, in a way that, uh, that spans, you know, generations. So it was quite it was quite an experience to watch it that way. And I'll be honest with you, I, I loved it. I don't really necessarily know how to judge musicals, but uh, I thought it was great. And after talking to Blitz and knowing where he comes from visually and intellectually and, and how he sourced the book more than anything else, it was kind of like a, a, a kind of a very personal and very unique vision for this new version of The Color Purple. And I, and I appreciated it. I've been going to the cinema quite often. I went to the movie theater on the big screen to see Poor Things. That's the Yorgos Lanthimos, Emma Stone, uh, Mark Ruffalo, uh, you know, the Gerard Carmichael, many, many guests of mine. Rami Youssef was in it. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to, Willem Dafoe was, uh, was in it. I've talked to all of them and all of them were quite good. Willem did not like me. It doesn't matter. The film is uh, amazing. It's quite a vision. And you expect that from Yorgos Lanthimos. You expect something surprising, brain-bending, over-the-top, uh, a bit crazy, uh, uh, very surreal in parts. But this thing had a real 
heart to it and a real journey and a real transformation. And uh, I think it's his best movie. And I think Emma Stone is fucking amazing. And Ruffalo was great, was a great comic character. And I'll tell you, man, to see poor things on a giant screen down at AMC was fucking great. And I had forgotten what it was like to really experience movies. I mean, ever since Oppenheimer at the IMAX and Barbie as well, I was like, this is how it was. This is how we used to see movies when I was a kid. This is how big they should be. And it makes a difference. And there is something about going to the movies. It doesn't matter how many people are in the movies. There's something that happens to your focus. There's something that closes you in, that insulates you, that puts you in the box with the film. Not like checking your cake, not like seeing if the pasta is ready, not checking your phone, not feeding your cat, not pausing that the fully immersive effect of going to the movies is still pretty fucking great and it burrows into you and it, it humanizes you, man. Beats you down with the wizardry of illusion. Can you dig it? Okay. Blitz Bazawule is a, a filmmaker, a musician, also a novelist. The Color Purple opens in theaters everywhere on Christmas Day. I recommend it highly. And this is me in conversation with Blitz. I saw the movie. I saw The Color Purple at the screening in New York. I enjoyed it. Oh, thanks. And then I uh, I knew I was going to talk to you. So then I, I kind of like, you know, what do I know <laughs> about... <laughs> About uh, West Africa. Oh yeah, and then and then I realized like, all right, so so here's what I do. I, I go, I got, I got records, you know, and I got, and I'm like, I'm thinking like, you know, when I was a kid, King King Sonny a day, yeah, and then uh, Baba Mal, those early Senegal of records, course. right? Great stuff. Yeah, and then uh, and then I realized, well, I got this um, uh, Lagos uh, 1970 funk juju collection. Great era. Right? Great. So I listened to that double record. Then I had some old uh, Cora music, which was not necessarily relevant, but I did it. Yeah. And then somehow or another, I got, uh, because I know you paint, I got, you know, I I landed in my head that I was thinking of uh, Basquiat's uh, self-portrait with Ty. Oh, yes. And then I looked at the uh, Henry Taylor book. Okay. Because I just saw that. Good ones. And then, you know, and I watched your early film. So, uh, you know, like, I had a, because when I was watching... Not the color purple, but when I watched uh, the the burial of Kojo, yeah, you know, I you start to realize, or I do, that you know, I have no visual sense of where you come from, and and it's a completely different place, and uh, you know, you're from there, so your sensibility around it, so it's like it's like going to another world, indeed. <laughs> I mean, but that but that's that's the beauty of cinema, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of that ability to transport us. You know, and that, that for me, the craziest thing is yeah. it started for me in a soccer park in Ghana. Yeah. Because, okay, let me give a little context. Yeah. 
a coup happens in the eighties in Ghana. A lot of the cinema houses close down. Right now, like, is that was that an autocrat? Was that a little? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We we went through a little window of of dictatorship. You okay. know, how long? Yeah, you know, bet- you know, it was like I think eighty two to like ninety two. So you're so how like, old? You know, I'm forty now. No, but how old were you? Oh, then? back then, geez, I was like what eighty two to ninety two. Yeah, so like ten. Right. So that's because I was wondering because not knowing the history of Ghana. You know the imagery that that comes up in uh, in uh, you know the the native son and the imagery that comes up in the black is king, you know and uh, you know in terms of choices boys must make, yes. that's where it comes from. Indeed. Okay. So and soccer. I, and, and I, yeah. So so it's 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 that outdoor kind of soccer park. Yeah. But the wildest thing was no cinema houses or not many of them, and so a lot of what we get are the evangelical movies. That are, that are projected for American free. evangelical Yeah, movie? yeah, yeah. It was big. And you know what one they used to show all the time? What? The Last Temptation of Christ. Well, that's a... that's Ma- So I was getting Ma- Marty I'm Scorsese. Su- I'm surprised that they the evangelicals <laughs> were behind that. They were, they, were, they were projecting that. I thought they had a problem with that one. Well, <laughs> maybe not the specific... I mean, they were just showing any, as many Jesus movies as they could. <laughs> right, yeah, And of yeah, course, yeah. you know, this one was a big one. So these were missionaries? They were missionaries, yeah. who, you know, and, and, they, and they did them for free outdoors. But they, those were like the... The one of those like amazing things you looked forward to, yeah, right. Because it was communal. You 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 did yeah. your chores early. You got your mat. You took it to the park. You yeah. laid it out. You waited for the movie to start. Yeah, and the projection right yeah, of yeah, this yeah. world yeah. that you were like, I didn't know this world existed. Transported. I mean, I mean, down the line you find out it's Martin Scorsese and he's done. Taxi driver, he's done. Right, you know, sure, sure. You know, good but, fellas. But at the moment, when you're ten, you just know, like, you know, I'm away. That's it, right? That's it. And that, that for me, I've never forgotten that feeling. As a matter of fact, that scene in the color purple where Suge takes Seely to the movies, that's an homage. Mm-hmm. That, that was me watching, yeah. watching, and being transported and yeah. going. Wow, the worlds that lie beyond the yeah. infinite. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, even in there's a couple of homages. There's that uh, in uh, Black is King. There's that Esther Williams kind of swimming, swimming. Of course, of course, of course, of <laughs> where, course. Where did you find that thing? Well, that that was B. That yeah. was Beyonce. Yeah, oh, yeah, she yeah, yeah, that? yeah, 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 oh. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, I mean, we were constantly going back and forth. There were parts that I did. In in South Africa, like that levitation when a guy goes up. You well, know? yeah, and also the theme of you, you know whether it's horses or motorcycles, uh, yes. and masks and yes. uh, and devils. Yes, that seems to be you know your it's, realm. It, it's it's kind of, but all of it really. I'll tell you where all of it comes from. It's my grandmother's stories. Yeah, ultimately. So this is in like in Ghana. Like what what is the the situation uh, family wise for you? So I'm, my family's from the northernmost part of Ghana. We are like Sisala people, way up top, right? And what's and that border on? So that border's on Burkina Faso. Oh. Right, so it's right where right, you know, my my village is right underneath Burkina Faso. Yeah. But what happens is that everyone migrates to the south, yeah. which is Accra, for work. And so That's my where you grew pa- up. So I grew up in Accra. What's the work? You know, work, any work, okay, all work, right? right? Yeah, and, yeah. So, and so my father and my mother moved down there, and so that's where we were all born. And then- What uh, was his work? My dad at the time was a civil servant. 
Uh-huh. You know, and my mom's a teacher. My mom's always been a teacher. A civil servant for the government? For the government. For whatever government? Yeah, I was, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. at the time, right? At yeah. the time. So, but what, what's, what's exceptional is my grandmother comes to stay with us because she has asthma. Yeah. And that window is like my window into storytelling. Right. Because, you know, power was kind of like, electricity was kind of in and out back mm-hmm. then. And so whenever power go out, my grandmother's stories were the only thing that would keep us, you and, know. And what were they mostly? Man, they were folk tales, but they were they were like the movies I make today. No, I know. I saw, like, because I, I was wondering where that comes from. I mean, I saw in uh, both in Native Son and in also in, you know, The Burial of uh, Kojo that, like, I didn't know if they were allegories because some of it's biblical, some of it's folk story. I mean, the you know, the and also the you know, the burial of Kojo is is somebody telling a story. Absolutely. And, I mean, that that's kind of, I've always, that's kind of been my de facto into storytelling. But also the possibility that story doesn't have to be linear, right? It could be cyclical. Yeah, I know. Right? And cyclical. So, you right. know what I mean? And so that's kind of, for me, my grandmother's stories became, like, the basis, and I think everything I've done, music, you know. So transitioning into the visual elements of, of nonlinear storytelling, because, you know, sometimes when I watch things, I'm like, what did I miss? And Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but in, in the way you describe it, though, if it's, if it's nonlinear and it's cyclical, then, you, you know, it's more poetic. Yes. And the connections aren't as uh, cut and dry. No, no. They're... they're, they're What's a good word? They are, the way they connect are not overt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and I think that, that for me has been an exciting thing to participate in this particular medium because cinema is such a very Western, you know, yeah. style where most things are very, you know, three-act structure. Yeah, sure. I got to know what answers what. Yeah. You know, people have been telling all kinds of stories. In all kinds of ways. Yeah. Way before this medium. I mean, this medium's quite young. So, that's true. Uh, but so your grandmother, though, in terms of, of imagery, because one, it seems like some of the elements of the early movies, you know, have to do with, with, with symbolism that's not necessarily explained, uh, but almost in a folktale story, uh, child story kind of way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, I, and again, I think, I think that's like the, that's what, for me, excites me about the possibilities of this medium. And I, and I always compare it to music. You know, music, so free. Sure. I mean, it's every kind, no matter where you go. Indigenous yeah. people make, Western people make, Africans right. make it, Europeans make. It's just it's such an amalgam. And, and, it, and, it, and because the freedoms to create are, and specifically, the African and the African diaspora, if you think about the freedoms that the musics have had, I mean, everything from gospel, jazz, blues, sure. funk, yeah. R&B, yeah. Afrobeat, Roomba, and some of the records we were talking about, the juju music, yeah. the high life, the, the Afrobeat, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. The freedoms that exist in those mediums are yet to be felt in cinema, I think. Interesting. I think. Yeah. Because, because, because the medium is so young... Right, that you know, it's it it's also quite narrow because because of the barriers to entry. I mean, it's a very expensive medium. Yeah. So I mean, it's getting more and more. I mean, the reason I was able to make the Burl of Kojo is the advent of 
digital cameras. Sure. I could not dream about making that movie. First, I couldn't afford to make it. Yeah. Um, but we took chances making that movie because it was fairly cheap to do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that the more the medium gets decentralized and more and more people have access, I yeah. think we're going to see... It's going to be like music. It's going to be like poetry. It's going to be poetry, like... Poetry, yeah. You, like the music, because like even when you do like Black is King, which is essentially music, yeah. that, you know, what you have though, it, it's a little different. It, there's a, a, an intensity and a speed and, and like there are a lot of costumes. Yes. <laughs> Lots of costumes. <laughs> Lots. I can't even imagine those shoots, the wardrobe truck. Yeah. There must have been four of them. Tons. <laughs> yep. But but it, it all happened so quickly. So when you really translate a, a sense of rhythm uh, that is similar to music to to film, which I think you you probably achieved a lot of in Black is King. Absolutely, that everything happens very quickly. So you know you don't you don't sit with the imagery as long. Yep. But it all hits you. But it's a lot. It's overwhelming. It is. It is. And and I mean what what. But that was its intent, right? I yeah. think I think when you move into the color purple. Now, right. now we can ballet a little bit more, right? So you can still take that same sense of visual poetry, but now you kind of now can live a little longer in these worlds. But also the music's different. Yes. Right? Very so, different. Because even if, if, if you look at, like, the early ones, like, I'm trying to look at the timeline here, but the diasporatical Trilogia. Yeah. Yep. So you know, this is essentially poetry that happens in three grooves. Yes. I guess. Yes. And the story is, you know, there are three different stories. You yep. know, through the idea of somebody existing in three different uh, uh, worlds and times. Yes. yes. But it's essentially a black story about yes. a woman. Yeah. Yes. So. But those are all different. So then you can see the different rhythms. Absolutely. Because you're dealing with different times, different countries. Yes, different time signatures. Yes. Right, which, right. I, which, which, which I find, again, I, I, I love that film. And here's the amazing thing about cinema. Uh. It ends up being an amalgam of all of these kind of separate creative mediums. Like you of got, course, you, yeah. You got, you got to be a poet to make a film. You got to know how to write. I mean, it's great cinema is great writing. That right? writing and also a sense of frame and yes, time, time, all that stuff. You have you have to know yeah. you have to know visual, you know, uh, uh, blocking and, sure. and and framing. That's yeah, another yeah. massive thing. Yeah. So photography becomes a thing that you have to, or or, or painting. That, you know, and, and you have to know rhythm music. You got to know how yeah. scenes are gonna. I mean, I've I've seen directors like literally like conduct a scene. Yeah, you know, and you go, yeah. wow, like this is rhythmic. So when you think about it, the better you are at all of these some seemingly disparate sure. mediums. Well, not really. You mean painting, music, and film? Yeah, poetry. Yeah, yeah poetry. Writing. All these things—they—they—they they, they seem siloed, right? But well, they're all in film. In film, exactly. And that's—that's yeah. that's what I love about the medium is that, wow! Like I can read a thing. I can read a book and yeah. go, wow! I know how to, in a way, approximate that for a, sh a, a shot in yeah. my film, or even a feeling. A feeling. Yeah. That's it. So, well, what was the first thing for you? I mean, outside of seeing you know evangelical films outdoors. 
in the middle of a coup yeah, well, where you need <laughs> It wasn't in the middle of a coup, but it was post-coup. Post-coup, but, but it's tense. It's tense. So you know, it's things are a little destabilized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little nervous. Absolutely. You know, uh, new people on horses and motorcycles, that I guess. stuff. Different that uniforms. Stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> but, and you're a kid, so there's an escape to it. But what was, you know, who was kind of supporting your creativity you had you had a bunch of siblings yes it was my mother yeah my mother was i mean god she's bless a teacher her. she's a teacher uh, my mother let me my mother let me be yeah and i gotta say this you know gun in kid there's a couple of things you can be yeah a banker a pilot yeah you know like you know respectable jobs yeah nobody respected art yeah my mother made Sure. And I was also living in a house that was constantly under construction. So there was always like some crevice that was free. Uh-huh. My mother would say, take that. It's yours. Yeah. That's where I learned to draw. Yeah. And I will say, every idea I've ever had creatively has come from a piece of art. Mm. Before I write a song, I have to sketch it out. I got to draw what I think I see. Yeah. You know, before I make a movie. I mean, I, I go overboard with, with, with that. With storyboarding? Oh, my goodness. I storyboarded. Over fifteen hundred frames of storyboard for the color purple. Uh huh. Yeah. For for black skin, that's actually how I got the job. From storyboard. Yeah. Yeah. B saw my Beyonce saw my 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 storyboards and was like, yeah, give yeah. give this kid a job now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Barrel of Koji was the same. But but I I value it because I've, I I really believe that if I you and I got the same script, mm. went off to shoot a movie. We'll come back with two completely different movies. Sure. Because we see the world completely different. Yeah. And if I showed you a piece of drawing and I said, we're shooting that. Yeah. Oh, we all going to shoot that because we know where the camera goes. Yeah. Right. And so I've been very fastidious about that. But it was not the, but that evolved. Like, yeah. you know, at the beginning as a creative person, you, you know, what did you see yourself doing? Uh, you know, you learned how to draw. That was it. And then you were gonna what? Draw? I was just gonna draw, and then and then and then and because I didn't know no better. I right. loved it. I could sit down for hours, yeah. and I enjoyed it. Yeah. People left me alone. My mom let let me be. Yeah. But then came hip hop. Mm. You know, and, and then hip hop was. Uh, How mean, old were you? Same same time. Ten. You know, ten. Yeah. 19, How'd you nine, hear it? Well, Public Enemy came to Ghana. Yeah. Oh, they came and performed. They came to perform in Ghana. Yeah, yeah, Chuck D and Did you Flavor Flav. I was, I was a kid. I couldn't go. But, but, but that's all they talked about on the radio. That's all they played on the radio was It Takes a Nation of Millions. No one went in your family? No one. Yeah. No one. But, I mean, my neighbors went, and they yeah. came back with war stories. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. And I was like, whatever that is. And they, they some people had T-shirts. That was yeah. the first time I'd seen the logo. Do you, any of your siblings artists? No, not really. I mean, my brother drew too, but yeah. he kind of like let it go. But I, I, I was, I used to just copy his style. Yeah, as a kid. So he showed you shit. He showed me shit. Yeah, a lot yeah. of good shit. Too. Yeah. Did he have records? My brother was. I mean, he was the purveyor of hip hop. Yeah. So like, my brother came home. Wait, mean, he sold it. Sorry, he sold hip hop records. No, 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 no. To me, like, 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 I mean, he introduced me to this incredible world because what it was was he would go off to secondary school, which is what, high school yeah. in America. Right. And that's when hip-hop had broken. Right. And so, you know, tapes like Rock Kim, De La Soul, The Tribe Called Quest, yeah. he brought home. Right. And, like, he'll call me, like, when he comes home after, like, a whole term at yeah. school, he'll call me to the back of the house. This is what I got. This is what I got. And, I mean, I'll be enamored. I was like, what is this? What was the music in the house previous to hip-hop? High Life. It was High Life. All about love. 
Right, but that's where those horns come from. Yeah, that's where it comes from. <laughs> Absolutely. But I mean, again, at the time, I was just tired of it. I was like, that's sure. all they play on a radio. That's all my parents like. You yeah, know, that, yeah. you know it's, same thing was happening here in America, right? It was like, here are all, here are all these R&B records. Sure. Here and then all, these, all of a sudden, it's hip hop. But the, the High Life music, was that out of Niger or where was it from? Ghana. It was all from Ghana. All from Ghana. Yeah, yeah, we had some amazing. I mean, Abel Taylor, who's still active, yeah, was one of our biggest. Yeah, um, yeah, there was some phenomenal records. I mean, I, I, I'll send you a, I'll send you a playlist. It's okay, incredible. Yeah, yeah. So that shifted your whole sensibility. You realized like there's something else happening. Something else, and and you know what I loved about hip hop? Mm. Audacity. Mm. You know, these here gave these, you confidence. Confidence. Here are these guys who counted out. Nobody had any plans for them. Yeah. And somehow they had captivated the world. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Maybe if I can do that, yeah. I'll have a shot. So you thought music now. Now it's music. So yeah. now that same room, now I got my, my mom's banging on the door now. Yeah. Because it's no longer quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's always she called boom, boom, boom music. Yeah, this yeah. is all this boom, yeah, boom, yeah. boom. Get your pencil. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and But I loved it. it I kind of got sucked into this, you know, vortex of Did like, you start writing then? Started writing. Uh, rap lyrics. Rap lyrics. And then you know how I did them? I just copied, you know, I don't know, like a De La Soul record and I'll, you know, yeah. th- you know, change a line here, change a line there. Figure out the structure. Change out the structure, yeah, throw yeah. my name in there, mm-hmm. pretend I wrote it all. Yeah. You know, I was, I, was, I was doing a lot of that. Yeah. Were you performing it? Yeah, it's school. For your family? Oh, it's school. school. Yeah. Yeah. And actually people thought I was good. But, yeah. but it, it was all just like Biggie Smalls records. Yeah. I was faking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who but, the fuck is this? Yeah. Page of me, you're 546, and I'm this, da, da, da. And like, oh, he's good. No, yeah. it's just all Biggie. But a lot of them didn't know it, or didn't they did. Know, yeah. no, of course. Yeah. So I sounded like a genius, but I wasn't. <laughs> um, but that's where it begun for me, just in terms of going, wow, there is something out there, and it's powerful, and it's global. Yeah. And, and maybe if I worked hard at it, so that's actually when my fixation with coming to America started. Because at this point, my sister and my brother are going out to university in the UK. Yeah. And, and that's very common with, you know, West Africans. It's like, you know, and this is all post-colonial. So if you're like Francophone, you go to France, Belgium. Yeah, yeah. If you're Anglophone, you go to England. That's yeah. kind of what was happening. So my sister and brother went there for education. And I was like, mm, I'm coming to America. And this was, but your intent, you know, creatively was was rap. That's it. When did you come to America? How old? For just so, college? Yeah, I came for college. So seventeen. So seventeen. So between like twelve and seventeen, you're just focusing I'm just on focusing, music, harnessing, learning what I could about it, and then I and then I got accepted to Kent State University. Wow, that's a heavy history. Yes. Did were you hip to it? I was hip. Yeah, I was hip. I didn't. You know. I need to go anywhere they'll take me. Yeah. <laughs> so you weren't hung up on it? You didn't get there and think, like, this is where that happened? No. Nah, I was just like, my SAT scores were not great. Sure. Somebody will take me. Yeah, so Ohio. <laughs> Ohio. Like. I was like, okay. <laughs> it's not New York. It's not LA. But it'll do. Yeah. And it was great. I, I, I actually enjoyed my all time. All four years? All four years. I really enjoyed it. Did I learned you, a lot. Did you do music? I did a lot of music. I opened for a lot of good bands that came. That was the great thing about not much was happening in the Cleveland. Well, what was your uh, setup? It was just a DJ yeah. and, a, and, a, and a mic. Yeah, you know, and right. I, was, I was part of little sprawling groups. I did as much as I could. 
And but then, straight up like New York style or New York, New York hip hop. Yeah, you know, right. you know, faking it yeah, again. Yeah. And then I graduate. But this right. this way it becomes like a crossroads. With what degree? Of all things, yeah. a marketing and advertising degree. Who put you up to that? Well, my parents wanted me to do architecture, because again, that's one of the respectable uh uh jobs. That sounds interesting. Well, it is, but yeah. that's what you think until you see those damn drawings right you go, this is boring yeah, yeah, yeah and it's like the thing is they go you can draw right so you should be an architect yeah no, it's not the same thing yeah it's like <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. like that's sketching yeah. and that's like lines yeah this is restricted this restricted is, it's engineering i couldn't handle it yeah I, I i did my one semester yeah i bounced on like fashion merchandising couldn't handle it yeah bounced interior design couldn't handle it yeah and then i stumble into a marketing class right and i go this is it this is it. I yeah. get it. It was intuitive. Yeah. It's like, I'm always going to be selling something. Right. So I might as well understand what that is. Yeah. And I love so it. So it's practical. It's practical. You could do your creative thing, and this is something I can use. Use. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, graduating with that degree, literally not even taking off my graduation gown. That's how much I wanted to get out of Kent. Yeah. I jumped in my car. It was a van. It was a little blue Chevy right. with a bad brake. I remember that because every time I'll park it, it'll just like skid off a little bit. Yeah. It's a terrible car. Yeah. But I drove all the way. <laughs> you got to have a terrible car you when got you to. graduate college. You had to. And I drove all the way to New York. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? They stole my car. Good. Welcome to New York. <laughs> literally, literally <laughs> the next day. Yeah. I walked around. I walked around all of all the way. I thought I'd park my yeah. car, which yeah. is flash, right. flushing Queens. Uh-huh. The car was gone. Yeah. I, I went around chop shops uh-huh. hoping to find something left of my car. No. Nothing. Uh-huh. Gone. Vanished. Lucky. Learned how to use the subway. Yes. So anyway, <laughs> the one thing, though, that I was smart enough to carry upstairs in my new apartment, just three floors up, no elevator, was a box of my CDs yeah. that I had uh, printed in, in college. Of your music. Of my music. Yeah. So now I go, all right. It's all I got, and I'm not about to go get a job right, right now. Right, yeah. So I'm going to sell these CDs in New York. Yeah. How, so, <laughs> so I go, this is nuts. I go, where is like a big traffic area? Yeah. They, they tell me it's Union Square. Sure. Okay. I remember those hip-hop guys selling those CDs. Of course. I may have, I may have approached you <laughs> and go, hey, yeah, you listen to hip-hop? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but here's the wild thing. So, I'm, I'm, so there was a Virgin Mega store, remember, right around that corner? Oh, right yeah, yeah, sure. Before the Whole Foods showed up. Yeah. And I used to set up outside there until those guys were like, this guy's cutting into our business. It was like down on Broadway, right? Yeah, it was on Broadway. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it was a beautiful spot. So they used to kick me away from there. So then I moved a little further to actually the 14th uh, uh, subway station, the QRN. Yeah. I I walk into the Virgin, and I see a long line of people waiting there, here, whoever's album was out. Right. And I go, that's how you do it. Right. You don't approach people (laughs) and ask them. You just have a setup. Yeah. And then they'll line up. There's that marketing education. Yeah. So I set up outside. Now I'm in front of like whatever that Whole Foods is. (laughs) Yeah. And now I build me a little booth with a with a pair of headphones. Yeah. And I, I, I shit you not. <laughs> Just like a I virgin sh- listening I, station. I shit you not. People will line the fuck up. Really? And this is, you know, this is New York, man. Yeah. Nobody ever stops for nothing. Yeah. And that's when I learned, man, you you gotta you can't chase them. Yeah. You gotta attract them. Sure. You know? And that was that was a huge education. But the other thing 
my work, my hustling in New yeah. York helped me do was watch movies. I mean, I've always been obsessed with the medium, but now I was near the IFC. I was near the Film Forum. Yep. There was an AMC not far in a Regal. And then that one right down on, what is it, 13th or whatever? 13th, yeah, that what, one. Yeah. So literally, whatever I made, yeah. selling CDs, I'll go to the movies. Yeah. And I literally, I saw everything. Yeah. Old prints, new prints. That's actually where I got put onto I Am Cuba, Soy Cuba, which became like, you know, my kindred. And actually, it's how Dan Lawson and I bonded day one. It's like our, both our favorite movies. Yeah. I think I saw it at the film forum. Many Who's years. Dan Lawson? Dan Lawson is my DP. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So that, yeah. it goes that far back. It goes that far back. Yeah. Right? So I I was, I I would literally, sometimes I would literally spend everything I made selling CDs and have to hop the turnstile. I mean, it was like, it was like, it was before, you know, Are you making cameras. New, yeah, are you making new music? Now? At that time. Oh, at that time, yeah, yeah. Because you got music. this thing going. So. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. And and again, so I'm spending time in the movie theaters right. watching now. Now now I'm building a film education. Right. So I always wanted to go to film school. Right. But just couldn't afford it. Yeah. You know, and it's just Well, you like, go watch movies. Go watch it. movies. That's it. And then you get a good DP and that's say, it. how do we do this? How do we do that? Exactly. You figured it out. So, so, <laughs> that, so, so that really became... Yeah. It for me yeah. until you know, uh, you know, and it, while this is happening, my music is also doing well, right? So now I'm breaking in Europe. Really? Yeah. How'd that happen? I got a I got a an opportunity to perform at a festival called Trans Musical de Rennes. Yeah, in France. And you went? I went, and I took a band of ragtag New Yorkers who ended up being my, some of my best friends now. Horn section? Horn section. See, that? when did you make that shift? Because like, it, it starts to make sense to me that you know whatever the, the vision was or the agenda was, and I don't know where you came up with the name The Ambassador, but it seemed like, and, and I'm no hip-hop wizard at all, I don't go too deep with it, but it seems that there was a real intention to integrate a West African sensibility into, uh, you know, American hip hop. Absolutely. Because I don't like, again, I don't know a lot, but it, it's very specific, you know, the music you come from. Yes. And it's in your records. Yes. I mean, I listened to uh, Native Son. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a good, that's a good one because yeah. that's when I really figured out that hip hop is just simple culture. Yeah. And, if you understand how these samples work, okay, so you can either take Mingus, Miles, right, you know, yeah. or you could take King Sonny Day or Fela Kuti, yeah, you know, all you got to do is add, add some edgy drums, yeah. Often it's it's still always coming from James Brown and yeah. his cohorts, funky drummer, mm -hmm. and then before you know it, you've got a thing, you've got yeah. an edge, and so Native Son was it. I mean, yeah. that's that that was also when I went, oh, this can extend to not just music it's a concept yeah cinema is sample culture too right right we're always just picking things That's and right. mix and matching yeah i go wait i can those grandmother stories i got and then you used one of the songs from native son in one of the movies uh free your mind free your which, mind yeah which which movie is that in that is in free your mind is in barrel of kojo yeah it's in barrel of kojo so that was happening simultaneously that was happening simultaneously exactly mm. so now i'm going Oh wait, this concept might work. Yeah, you know, it's it's all like finding this edge that like is Western culture, and and then and then figuring out the source, which for me 
is Ghanaian culture, visually and sonically. So now it just became the melding of the world. Right. So sonically, sonically, it's an integration, right? Yes. So, yeah, where you come from, how do you say it, Ghanaian? Ga- yeah, I'm Ghanaian. Ghanaian culture infused into uh, American hip-hop. Yes. And then so your lyrics become, there's still sort of, the, the rhythm and the poetry is pretty much rap. Yes. But the storytelling capacity of rap is not going to get you to your grandmother. No. No. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> right. By the way, no one's ever put it that way. Yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. And that's where you get the burial of Kojo, that's, ultimately. That's where I get the burial of Kojo. Because the limitations of the music are, it's not that music is limited, but in terms of the limitations of the poetry that you can achieve through storytelling uh, and being it uh, specifically uh, a Ghanaian vision, yeah. you, you had to go to film. I had to go to film. Right. It, it, it was the only way to fully maximize. Because my grandmother's stories were also, have yeah, music. But, it, but they were visual. Mm-hmm. I, I really remember the visuals more than I actually I do remember the music. We clapped and we sang and she taught us little songs to go with the stories, yeah, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. enough. But then once I figured out the camera could capture that. Right. And that, and also without explaining much other than having the little girl talk about this world in between life and death, yeah. that imaginary world or not, the mystical world. Yeah. So then, you know, you can just leave that there. Yes. And then it's up to you watching it. Yes. And I think, I think that is also another thing that is very peculiar about uh-huh. African storytelling. Mm. It's very, it's very um, the audience member is an active participant, right? Uh-huh. You know, it's always, it's always like there's always room for you. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. And it, it, it doesn't... Doesn't get explained. That's fully. right. You know what I mean? It's like Yeah, the blind guy comes with a bird. Yes. What's that mean? <laughs> and now, now you've got to go, damn it. What's he trying to say? Oh, you know what? I think I know what he's trying it to say. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And and it's how I feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's how I feel. And I think and I think that more and more there is the more I've done the work, yeah. you know, and the more I've 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 like just enjoyed being free on that level. And, and letting it sit. Because, but see, because the thing is, if something is carried down generationally, then then who are you to explain it? That's it. That's it. <laughs> so it must, you, even if you don't know how far back it goes, the symbols are what they are. Yes. So, you know, go with it. Yes. Go with whatever. whatever. God or whatever. <laughs> exactly. And, mm. it, you know, that's the beauty. And again, by the time I get to the color purple, mm. I've done enough of that experimenting to go, because that's what diasporatical trilogia was that was my first foray into can i understand and you broke it down so well it's it's these movements in in these sonic movements which now i have to match visually right so i go okay i think i i get what this is trying to be and then i go in long form and i do burial of kojo and it explains itself a little bit more then i'm thrown into the deep end Black is king because now I'm like, oh boy, where am I? I got it. It's a deep end, but it, it it's also a unlimited possibility. Yes, because you know you're working with Beyonce yes. and you're doing you know the sort of visual version of a concept record. Yes, and and you, you know it's all going to be um, it, the music is the music. Yes, so you can sort of you know do whatever you want, and she's got the bread yes. and the costumes. Yes, and, lots of costumes, and you got a choreographer that I imagine she brought in. Yep. 
So like because there's a couple where there's a couple of beats in that in the Blackest King where like that canoe shot where she's yes. just like literally a vagina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's this aerial shot and I'm like that's a floating yeah. vagina. Yes. <laughs> But he, I mean, you got to remember. I mean, B what about is, that? What the, that snake one with all wearing that one outfit? Yeah, on the yeah with the snake. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. What the fuck yeah, is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. But it, here's the beauty. Yeah, it's exactly what you said. It's provocative. Yeah, and that's what matters. And and it 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 it, it got me thinking. I still watch that movie and ask myself, what does it all mean? You know what I mean? Like I'm still I'm still trying to. And I think that's great art. I mean, it's like it's like it's like a. You know, it's but, like it's like looking at a, a Basquiat painting, right? Right. It's exactly. And I'm so glad you mentioned Basquiat earlier because I've been to the gallery and museums to see the same Basquiat picture mm, mm. a few times. Sure, that's why. Yeah. And and every time, yeah, I'm like, what's this guy trying to say? Oh, I get that little part sure, there. But yeah, he reveals yourself to yourself. That's it. And I think the more with age, mm. with understanding, mm-hmm. with growth. You see things, and I think that's good art. Good that, art is. I living. agree with you that you know that it, the genius of good art is it's that you it grows with you. That's it. And, you know, no matter how many times you visit it, that's you it. You will take something different away from it. That's but do it. you look? Do you still? Do you know what Kojo means? I think I understand it more now. Well, I mean, because like it seems that you know with Native Son the short, yes, and uh, and also w- with Kojo. Uh, and it, it's, you know, this is a, a journey fueled by grief. Yes. So, you know, that's real sort of, you know, childhood, you know, loss. Yes. And, and uncertainty. Yes. And so that journey in both of them, uh, the one is the, the little girl and yes. that's different. Yes. But the, this, the kid's journey, the boy's journey in native son is more, sort of, I can see that through to black is king where, yes. you know, you are left with these choices and yes. what life means. But with with Kojo, like that was really kind of an amazing bit of uh, a storytelling that left a, a lot of open space. Yes. Because, you know, you you have the ocean, there's an isolating feeling, yeah. there's a village feeling versus a city feeling. Yeah. But there's also, as it becomes revealed, the question of, you know, the shame. Yes, guilt. Yeah. Guilt. And I think, you know, I, I think it's also like I also have always explored the complexity of the headspace. Yeah. You know, and I I think it's another thing that's very under explored in cinema, I think. I mean just you mean, this, you visualizing the headspace. Visual, not, visualizing. Not, not visual, just sitting yeah. there looking at someone thinking. No, right. exactly. Like what are they thinking? Right. Yeah. And I and I think that Kojo is a sense of grief guilt that this man's wrestling with. Uh-huh. And there's a story that's very clear, present, and linear. You know, a guy who's, sure. who's caused pain and havoc and has to deal with the consequences of that. And eventually- right, but but then, but you don't. Know, it's sort of you don't know that right up front. No. And then, like the turn at the end of the second act, which is the you know the friend going like the uncle hasn't been around. He's been gone for seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that all is pulled out from under you. And then you're like, whose imagination was it, and why? And the kid's operating on some supernatural level. Yes. So you know, she saw the uncle. Yes. Because she was sharing the father's vision because she got the bird from the blind guy. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty yeah. of it all, right? right? It's, yeah. it's like, it's like, and I've really enjoyed making art that does exactly, that grows with you as you evolve as a human. 
But the beauty is, then I get this massive opportunity. Well, that's the thing, like, you know, getting, you know, moving up to the color purple is that after you sort of work with Beyonce, it's Mm -hmm. sort of like the one thing out of all of it you got to be comfortable with is shooting people dancing. Yes, yes, (laughs) absolutely. But but the idea, so what were, and and I'm sure you've told this story before, because watching the color purple, you know, it does deal with all your themes and you get a little Africa in there. Towards the end, I do, <laughs> and, I, and I milk that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> That's your wheelhouse. Yes. Yeah. But but what were the challenges? You know, well, from the beginning, you know, having like, did, were you surprised that you got a shot at this? I was. I mean, I'd I'd never made a studio picture. So who who gets you that? Beyonce? No, no. Um, Blackest Skin wasn't out yet. Ah. It was rumored to be out. It, it was a trailer out, but it wasn't yeah. out. Right. My agent called me. Yeah, and he's like, "Hey, you know, they, they're remaking the color purple. They, they, they've seen a few directors already, and somehow your name came up, and I want you to take a meeting." And I was just like, "Come on, they've seen a couple people. That's just telling me someone's already hired, and I'm just going to waste my time." You know, or, or they're it, using you for leverage. For leverage, yeah. you know. So you know, I, I was I was quite skeptical at first, and then I think what what I I I'm also the kind that's also like, what's the worst? I'll learn something. Yeah. You know? I want to talk to a few big shots. Why not? In Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. You know? In Hollywood. No, but I, but you know a part that I've missed that, yeah. that I think is important to this conversation? Yeah. In 2015, when I was like, music had kind of plateaued. Right. I played all the concerts I could. I hadn't scored a hit. Right. So there was no way I could imagine I was going to keep going. Without uh, getting sad. Without exam <laughs> sad, very sad. Yeah. I um I got a call from my mom. Yeah. And she goes, Are you thinking of making a movie? Yeah. And I go, you know, I'd like to. This is before this is before Kojo. Before Kojo. She goes, Are you thinking of making a movie? Because I had a vision. Yeah. And I saw Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Is your mom a, a one that has visions? Know, here and there, but like not this level, right? But I, I was like, okay, you saw Hollywood. Yeah. I go, okay, yeah. yeah. So she goes, yeah. If you plan to make a movie, you should do it soon. Yeah, I kid you not, man. That summer, I packed all my crap and yeah. I moved back to that house, the same house where I learned to. Was sketch. it still under construction? No, it's been done now. <laughs> been done for a while. So, so your corner was gone. The corner's gone, but there's a, now there's a room because everybody's okay. left now. Okay, so yeah, I'm in yeah. a real room. Is your grandmother still around? No, she passed away oh. sadly while back while we were kids. Actually, oh, yeah. still. Oh, okay. Well, laid, laid the imprint though. Yeah. All right. Huge. So you go back. So I go back, and that room is where I write the Pearl of Kojo. Where'd that come from? Well, it came, you know, it came from, it came from like, I grew up around people that I knew were dealing with, you know, just deep guilt, deep, you know. Over one thing or the other? One thing or the other, you know, remorse, you know, just. And that struck you how? It struck me as like, how do people, you know, how do people who've dealt with trauma move on from that trauma? Or how don't they move on? Right, 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 yeah. My mom had dealt with some trauma yeah. young. And so, you know, I was, I'd always been in awe of her ability to just go, all right, fuck it. Yeah. Keep going. Right. You know, and not be consumed, not be by, consumed it. by it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so, anyway, I, I'd, I'd kind of myself gone, 
it's something that struck me. And because, you know, Ghana also doesn't, you know, unfortunately have the, the, the infrastructures around mental health. Well, neither does this country well, I was for whatever say, reason. Well, yeah. But you were suffering with some trauma yourself. Not me, myself, but I was witnessing a lot of yeah, people yeah, who had would, yeah. would been doing it. My mom herself and yeah, their yeah, friends. And, yeah. You know, the, you're the kid who's around, right? And you yeah. hear... You hear adults talking, you know, yeah, wow, these yeah, people survived yeah. some shit. Yeah. You know, my mom was thrown in jail during the coup d'etat. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? And yeah. she, she survived that, came yeah. out of jail. So you know, these things are hard on them. But again, there's no, you know, there are no certified therapists to go talk to. Sure. So they talk to the guy who comes over to men clothes from neighborhood sure. to neighborhood. Or they to talk each other. To each other, the friends that come. Yeah. You know, they send you to go buy some beer so they can, they can drink beer and talk about their problems. And you hide around the room yeah. and eavesdrop on some of this yeah. shit and you go damn right. they've survived yeah. so anyway it's always been something that struck me because there's no outlet for it no mm. real outlet and so that's kind of where it came from was just visualizing what it'd be like if somebody has has fucked up royally but but also there's no saying that even with infrastructure or help that they're gonna unfuck themselves that's a fact <laughs> that's a fact so you know this guy is, is suffering alone yes you know, other than his, you know, mystical daughter knowing. Knowing. But you don't know. You unfold that story very well. So, so okay, so your mother has this vision and you go yeah. back and do it. So I go back and do it. And so anyway, I, I'm, so now I get this call. You know, now, now things have happened quickly. Now, you got, you, know, you got to remember, I made, I shot Burial 17, 18. I'd done a few festivals. 19, Ava DuVernay had picked it up and put it on Netflix, which I'm and this super, is, But you did the shorts super, earlier? Or? I did the shorts earlier, yeah. I before did, Kojo? Before Kojo, yes. But those those were like more of music video oriented, okay, yeah, yeah, right? Okay, yeah, not, yeah. not narrative. Right, you're in it. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, like because Native Son is sort of you selling Me, your music. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, was, it, was all, it was all like visual albums, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. So now I get this call that they're redoing The Color Purple. And I go, boy, all right, I should go take this meeting. Right. But before I do, I go, I should do what I've always done. Yeah. I should sketch. Yeah. You know, they'd said the script, I'd read it, had some things I liked. I was like, all right. So then I start sketching, but then I realize that I'm going like, I'm like, okay, because I remember the Steven Spielberg classic. Sure. It was brilliant. But before the Steven Spielberg classic, I was sucked into Alice Walker novel. That book's something. That was, that was I mean. That's in, real poetry. Incredible poetry. Right? And then I saw Steven's film and it sucked me in some more. Uh. But but now here I am going, but what am I going to contribute? I mean, and then it's a Tony Award winning Broadway play. I'm like, well, this thing Did is. Did you see it? I didn't see it. Mm. But they had sent clips. So I was like, all right, well, it's done and done. Like, we had the music. We had the music. Yeah. It's done. Right. But then I go back to the Alice book. Right. Because I'm like, I have to have something to present. I can't just take a meeting. Cause well, I, that's I'm, interesting. I'm one of those that go, I, I, I know it's, it's an interview. It's not like, it's not a social call. Yeah. You know? But, but so you knew, though, enough to know that if you're going to shoot your vision of it, you're not going to get Spielberg's out of your head because nope. it's already in there. It's Nothing there. you can do about it. It's there. The musical you can avoid, but you got the music. Yes. So you went back to the text. I went back to the text, and I and I kid you not, first line, first page. She goes, "Dear God, I'm 14 years old. Yeah. Always been a good girl." I go, "Whoa, that's it." Yeah. Anyone who's writing letters to God on yeah. this scale, yeah, it's got an imagination, right? And that's one thing I know how to explore. Right. I'm a I'm an undisputed champion right. of exploring headspace. Yeah. In cinema, I right. go, 
I think I got something. Yeah. So then that's when I start sketching. I mean, I go in a frenzy. That's that's how the giant gramophone comes up because I go, what that was I, great. Yeah, what the can dancing I do? On. Right, can I, right. You know, so I, I keep pushing and pushing. So that's, that's her imagination. So her imagination. was that the first one that was you the sketched? First, that was the first thing I sketched. And crazy enough, that's how I got Fantasia to say yes to this film. She didn't want to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, she was like, oh, she was like Blitz. It was painful to do it on Broadway, yeah. you know? It was deep. She herself has dealt with deep trauma, didn't, yeah. didn't want to deal with it at all. I said, look, Fantasia, I'm going to give Seely this massive, sprawling imagination. And here's the beauty. Often people who are have dealt with trauma, yeah. miscategorized as docile and passive. Yeah. Well, that's not what we're going to do. Right. We're going to give her this agency because we're going to be here. And also, she doesn't have to do it every night, five nights a week. A and week? you shoot a scene, you go sit down for nine hours. That's it. That's it. So, I mean, I think eventually she was sold, but I think she was most sold by that gramophone because she went, well, if he's going to push it that far. Yeah. Well, why not? Maybe something in here. It's movies. So that's how I went. I went to, first it was Scott Sanders, who was great. He told me, he told me, he'll, I'll hear back. And I didn't know it was going to be. Scott Sanders? Scott Sanders is, is the producer of the Broadway show. So Scott was the first person I interfaced with. And then he was like. That was your first interview? First interview. First okay. interview. And he was like, okay. And I was like, he's, I'm done. You know, here I am throwing all these lofty ideas yeah. out. I'll never get this job. I, I go home. You know, I'm yeah. on Zoom, so I just click off. And I go, well. That was nice. I came close. Yeah. Closer than any, by the way, closer than any Ghanaian ever has. <laughs> you know, a hundred million dollar uh, feature, feature film. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No one where I'm from has had this <laughs> shot. So I was like, if I can just brag about this alone, yeah. that's good. I've come far. <laughs> yeah. Then comes a call. Yeah. Hey, um, Oprah would like to talk to you about your ideas. Yeah. The Oprah? <laughs> Man, shit, I was like, I was in Ghana watching Oprah yeah. with my mom, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Anyway, so I go, well, I'll take the call. Yeah. I take it. Uh-huh. Blitz, I heard you've got this idea. Da, da, da. You know, so, ooh, get into pitch You're on mode. Zoom with her? I'm on Zoom. I mean, this is deep with COVID. Oprah. This yeah. is COVID. Yeah. I mean, I'm like secretly trying to screenshot. Again, if this is the fur- <laughs> furthest I'm going to come, Mike, I'm not going to fuck it up. Yeah, you got I'm, the screenshot? I'm going to have something. Yeah. It was, I can't I can't admit to that on yeah. on, on a podcast. Okay. But I'll tell you what, I was like, you know what? Again, the furthest I'm gonna come, incredible. Right. I've come far. I talked to Oprah about my ideas. Yeah. And she hangs up. We all go. And then it's like, by the way, this is happening. This is a Monday. This, you know, this is a Monday. Yeah. On a Tuesday, I'm talking to Oprah. Now, my agent calls me, hey, um, Oprah really likes your pitch. She wants you to talk to Steven about it. Yeah. Hell, Steven. You know, Spielberg? I mean, that's Steven. I mean, a lot of Stevens now. Sure. You got to be sure which one they're talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. So I get on with Steven. Yeah. Same. He goes, Blitz, I heard you got an idea. Yeah. I would love to hear it. Yeah. Oh, I get in the pitch mode. I'm showing him sketch after sketch, and this is what I'm going to do. Boom, bam, bam. I do my whole. Goes, that's fantastic. <laughs> he goes, I think you're the man for the job. Yeah. I go, what? <laughs> and by the way, I'm yeah. ta- listen, I'm, after each of these Zooms, I have to go walk the block. Sure. Because I, cause it's literally, you got to remember, this is like when we were all confined. Well, it's good. It was good because, you know, you got these meetings pretty quick because no one had yeah. anything to do. That's it. Yeah. That's it. They were home. Yeah. Waiting to be scheduled on a Zoom. Yeah, yeah. So then the last thing now becomes, I think you should pitch it to the studio. 
wow. So now I'm like, okay, again, guys, if this is the furthest. But you got a couple, you got a couple big names in your court already now. Going to the studio. And this is this is I'll give I'll give it a shout out to Toby Emmerich because he goes, Blitz, if Steven, <laughs> Oprah, and yeah. Scott say you're the man for the job, yeah. you're the man for the job. Yeah, he's not gonna take any blame. He goes, he goes, he goes, just tell me what you're gonna do. Right. I go, wow. So you kind of got the job. In a week. Yeah. You know, yeah. but but I mean, you know, then 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 the hard work begun because now it's one thing to talk shit about how you're gonna create an imagination, it's other things how you're gonna do it. And well, what was those sketches outside of the gramophone? I mean, it was it was you know that um, that you know f- you know forty piece orchestra. Oh know? yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, I gotta push that envelope. Yeah, it was the tree. You know, these people around the sure, tree. Sure, sure, that last shot. Yeah, that last shot. It was all these things, you know, that I was like, it's a photograph. I was like, oh, we're gonna push into the photo, and then you know, get to the other side of it when it's getting taken. All of these, like, that's some of the stuff in your painting too, right? Yeah, yeah, picture in a picture. Yeah, you know, that's another another way to collapse time for me. I love, I love that concept. Yeah, you know, how do you get into the world, right? Right, because you got the photograph, right, and then even in the paintings that you do, that the few I saw that were available online. It's, there's something interesting about the old photograph in yeah. the same place yes. you come back into in the present. Yeah, yeah. So we're empty, cyclical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, cyclical. Yeah. The same, the same work. And so, I mean, it, it was, it was, it was, it was incredible. But once I started putting my team together, yeah, starting with Fatima Robinson, my choreographer. Yeah, Fatima's a genius. And here's the thing: when I was, in, what's she done? Oh. Sh- what hasn't she done? Yeah. Michael Jackson's Remember the Times. Oh yeah. Jeez, all the Aaliyah oh, stuff. Yeah. All okay. that. I mean, she was a yeah. She's a master. Yeah. And I knew that my, this is going to be a ballet of sorts. Yeah. The camera and the choreography. Yeah. So those were the t- first two: Fatima and Dan Lawson. Once I knew I had Dan, because I'd seen Dan's work. He'd done the big John Wick stuff, mm. but he also done Shape of Water with Guillermo. He had done Nightmare Alley with Guillermo. I knew the guy could do deep, intimate stuff. Sure, and he also knew his way around whatever you wanted. Yes. Yeah. So I brought him in, and and man, and then I brought Paul Astorberry, who had won the Oscar for um, for the Shape of Water production design, and I love his work because it's very tactile, it's very yeah. real, it's it's immersive. Yeah. The way I like to to make film, so I brought them together, and I brought Francine, who's my chore- I mean, my costume. Francine uh. had worked on Steven Spielberg's film. Yeah, in the, on the color purple. Eighty, yeah, in the eighties. Yeah, as an assistant costumer. Oh, so I brought her in as my lead now. She's yeah, amazing. I mean, those yeah. costumes, great, out of this world. Yeah. Once I got that click together, and I got the cast. Yeah, you know, it wasn't easy getting advocating for Fantasia, advocating for Taraji, Daniel Brooks, Coleman Domingo. You, you know, got you even got old Dion in there. I got Dion. You got a comic Cole, playing a heavy. My goodness, and yeah. he. How incredible Nailed is that it. guy? Yeah. What? Yeah. You know, and I, what I loved was the myriad of 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 experience. I mean, yeah. I had a Lou Gossett Jr. That's crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. You're right? I mean, what is he was he even really actively working? Probably not. But he came out. He was like, Blitz, I'm no. not missing this. Yeah, he's great. Oh, he was incredible. Yeah. He had all the, all the funny lines. How old is he in real life? Jeez, oh, that man's got to be 90 Yeah, now. crazy. You know? Yeah. He was phenomenal. Yeah. But I was lucky to get land that cast because that cast became 
you know, and I always say this, I don't, you know, I cast aura. Yeah. You know, I don't cast, you know, people say, you know, you know cast his talent. Oh, no, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know enough to know anything about that. I just know that when I see this person and that person again. Feel a certain way. Does it fit? Does it? Does it? Does the chemistry work? Yeah. And so it was so good to start to see these chemistries start to work. Coleman, his size, his aura, his vibe. He played uh, Mister. Mister. Yeah, that's a heavy role, man. Incredible. And his arc, unfathomable. Unfathomable because, like, you, you know, he's a the charming devil. Yeah. Right. Classic. But then, like, somehow or another, you are capable of empathy. Empathy. Yeah. And that, that was work. I mean, again, that's like going into the layers. But that's the beauty. Because Glover played him heavy. Heavy. Yeah. You know, and again, it's, it's, it's all nuancing, right? Mm. I mean, that was the first thing Coleman and I talked about. We're going to make him human, fully human. That means he's going to go through all, the entire arc. He'll yeah. be charming. He'll be funny. Yeah. He'll be goofy. Yeah. But he'll also be evil. Yeah. Because, again, we're all capable of that entire arc. But also you kind of grounded the evil with the father early, with Dion's character, yeah. relentlessly evil. Yeah. No right. depth. Yes. Yes. So that was, you know, and that was the foundation. Yes. Right. So you had somewhere to go. And I think one of the, one of the, one of my most, um, one of my most favorite shots yeah. is at that Easter table when everybody flees and we adjust, the camera just lingers yeah. and you see Mr. at one side and old Mr. at the other side. And right. And you just sit. And what you're seeing is generational trauma. Yeah. What we're seeing is the understanding on how this man became who he is. We also put a banjo in his hand, which humanizes him. Sure. Right? And if you notice, he was the only one without a song. He was the only one always trying to find a song, always plucking away. Oh, from the beginning. From the yeah, beginning. Never, never, yeah. You, you never, he never landed on his song. He just was always just yeah. trying. Everybody else belted out. Right. He was always just plucking at it. Right. right? And I think that's, that was the beauty for, for having a, a master like Coleman. Yeah. Right? It's like someone who could play that arc. But also, I mean, Shug Avery. Yeah. You have a, a veteran like Taraji. Yeah. Who, when I met, you know, I had to, you know, same, I had to convince her. I was like, look, you've got it. You've got, you can do it all. Only convince her because she didn't know if she was right for it. Yeah. And it was, it was all about the singing. Yeah, I've interviewed her. She's great. She's, oh, she's like the best. The best. Yeah. And I, I said, Taraji, just surrender to this thing. You got it. Yeah. And, and I mean, she comes up that barge, yeah. that dread, red dress. The best, yes, yeah. I mean, that's that, that was all worth it. But it's interesting, yeah. like you know, because I don't remember. Like I read the book a long time ago, and I kind of remember certain scenes in the in the film. I did not see the musical, but I didn't really realize that there are no white people in this movie except for the bad ones, except for Miss Millie, right. Who's amazing? I mean, I mean, we do have the postman. He's nice, right? But but, <laughs> but like this is like you know that to keep it around, like because you don't even feel the presence of it. No, 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 no. It's very insular. And 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 Miss Millie's got to carry the whole weight. Yes, of of reconstruction and racism <laughs> yeah. in in her like seemingly decent shell. Yes, yes. I mean, which which I think for me, two things. One is I loved the fact that. We could just stay in this community, you know, and just deal with this very domestic, but also global, right? Because what, what Suge does is Suge brings the outside world. I mean, Suge's the reason we go to the movie theater. She's the reason we go to the juke joint. The reason we, should, we go to Memphis. Like, all these things that just kind of, 
she gives us this outer world. And so we didn't need much else. Right? Yeah, but it was great because like there's no what what's almost always sort of played against it is that it's all being facilitated by white people. Yeah. So so none of that. Yeah. You know, that that conversation doesn't happen. So these people can exist in a, in a type of community. Yes. That that it may be in the shadow of that, but it is no. does it's not spoken. No, 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 not at all. And I again, I, I was I, that a choice or was that the way it was? It was a choice. I mean, you know what I mean. Again, all these things. It's it's like the white gaze, you know. Right. It's like it's not you know the color purple is an insular text. Alice Walker wrote it inspired by her ancestors. They were very right. insular, and the only reason to step out outside of that community is what happens when when these people who are in this community have to venture into a world that they're not in. And we, Dan and I were very specific. And Paul, the intimidation that we were going to create just by the visual landscape we were going to choose. Like when that car drives into where Miss Millie is, that gas station, we chose tall, but we hadn't seen anywhere like it before. And I start on a wide to establish that, guys, this thing is not good. We start to feel uncomfortable as an audience because we're like, I've never seen any of this before. Oh, yeah. I've never seen. So it's clear that these people have moved away from their safety and their comfort. Yeah. So when the encounter with Miss Millie happens, it's like, well, shit. That's, that's what the white gaze gets you. That's what it is. Right. And that, and that you know, that particular device is something you've used in almost all your films. Absolutely. The journey. The journey. Away from the village. Yes. Right. Yes. And I, I, f- I find that also because, again, my family's from a village. Yeah. And I know what I know the challenges we've 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 suffered, you know, by being outside, by that migration yeah. personally, communally. Yeah. You know, the other thing about the, vi- the village is that everybody cares for the village. Yeah. In the city, each man and woman for themselves. Right. And that's yeah. why you go to villages. They're clean and organized. You come to the cities. They're filthy and disorganized. It's it's and, but but the sad reality is that everybody thinks the city is where life is at, right? Right, and so this constant, you know, urban influx, yeah, you know, it's kind of what starts to happen. And same thing happens with, you know, they're going to get ice cream, yeah, in this nice white part of town, yeah. Oh shit! Now yeah. here we are, right? Right, and I I think that ultimately for me as a filmmaker, you also realize you've been telling the same story over and over again. Mm. Right, they just different forms, different 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 vibes, uh-huh. different colors, yeah. different shapes, but it's ultimately the same story. It's, yeah. it's 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 how do people deal internally with their traumas and challenges, and how does the physical migration from rural to urban affect the psyche yeah. and the community? That ultimately, I think every film, I mean, even Blackest King's the same. Yeah. This kid, you know, flees, goes to the city. Oh, boy, here comes all the temptations. Now look at him. Now he has to find his way back. And for me, that journey, finding your way back, when Celie goes back. Yeah, oh, she goes back, but 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 she's informed and yes. she she has self-ownership. Yes, yes, which is, which is also, I mean, that was me coming to America. I mean, it's always, it's the same thing, right? It's like, oh, boy, you know, I... I moved to New York because I wanted to be in it. And then you go, oh, boy, once you get what you want, also you got to know when you have it. Yeah. So you go, okay, now it's but, time to get out. But Right, but self-realized and self-actualized to the point where when you have the final scene yes. and Mr. is in those pants, yes. that, that Seeley 
Fantasia plays that kind of beautifully. Yes. That, you know, you're as an audience member, you know this history. And and in your mind, you're like, how do you ever forgive or accept or or move on? But the village is powerful. The village. In the sense where she goes, all she says is, I can't believe you wore those pants. Yes. And then, you know, the the empathy portal is open and people can change. Yes. Yes. Mm. Which is, which is... I think, you know, radical forgiveness, man, and accountability. I mean, those are the two things that all this work is about. But in that scene with at the at that table with the two the two generations of the monsters, yeah. you know, you're waiting for that scene. Yeah. Cause I, I remember like I you know, I don't remember exactly the movie scene with Oprah. Yeah. But the way that uh she played Sophie. Yeah. What's her name? Sophia. The actress. Uh Daniel Brooks. Yeah. Yes. I mean like that was crazy. Incredible. It, the, the insanity of like her self assuredness before she gets beaten. Yes. And then what happens to her and I know that's in the, in the movie too, and it's in the book. But you know that's a hard moment to play. You you know, and in the movie uh, Spielberg's movie, he really you know made uh, Oprah's disfigured. Yeah, but but I didn't do that. No, I didn't do but, it because the scars are in something. That's right. Because she played that, yeah. and that's like that was some that was some fucking acting. It was incredible, and that turn I, was great. I I I mean, I've seen people go from that laugh. To that, I mean, I've. Oh yeah. Listen, I'm a. I watch it all. Yeah. I've never seen that. Yeah. No. Now, that that is some mass. That's a masterclass. And I again, I gotta say, that scene had to be the hardest scene to shoot. I mean, first of all, any dinner scene with eight people, oh, you're yeah. asking. Eating's for it. the worst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you're asking for it. But but I think I think because everybody's all, thinking like, where where was it in the bite? Yes, yeah. it's exactly that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, then, oh, then we also had COVID strike four times. No. We're trying to do that scene. So you think about it. We always had to reset, come back three days later, come uh-huh. back four days later when people had recovered from COVID. Yeah. So sometimes we had to shoot with stand-ins. Yeah. It's a miracle. When I watch that scene, I go, John Poe, my editor, is a genius. Because to assemble that out of that many different days, and also Dan Lawson's light as, as consistent. Yeah. Whoa. You know? But that was something we did a lot. Not it, in the studio either? We were, we we were on a lot. Okay, we, you we, were. We, okay, yeah, that's we good. were we were we we were on stage. Yeah, for a little that. control yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah, we yeah, definitely had control because that's the turning point. That's, that's a that's massive. the beginning of the third act, basically. That's right? Massive, yeah. massive. It had to happen. Yeah, this 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 where she breaks free. But again, I mean, I I have to say, it's really the amalgam of talent. You know, like when you when you look at, I mean, a film is always that, right? It's like the ultimate team sport. You go. Yeah, sure, great. You have a great defensive, you know, player. But if your strikers and your midfielders are no good, you know, you're going to struggle. And so it's like I was just lucky and really fortunate to have across the board some of the most incredible humans first, but just masters of craft. And also, like, every one of them, I even from watching the moderated conversation in New York at that premiere, you know, everybody on that on that production, uh, you know, anyone in the arts who is black, yeah. that, that story is part of them. Yeah, facts. That's a fact. So, you know, the honor and also the intimidation to rise Oof. to the occasion— yeah. To to do justice to that story, yeah. So that uh, uh, you know is in of itself a, a challenge. But because 
you know, there is that commonality yes. of, of wanting to get to the core of that thing. Yes. I mean, it, it was, I'll tell you what, man. <laughs> I had to just say to myself, we're, like, we're, not, we're not remaking the color. I mean, first of all, you cannot compete with nostalgia. Right. I mean, because I mean, people aren't talking about the movie. Right. They're talking about their grandmother who passed away, who that was her favorite movie that right. they used to watch right. every Sunday. Oh, that premiere dude, like, the, you had the two casts from the musical, and, and two of the you know, one was in it, Fantasia, and Millie had, you saw had watched that? it. You they, saw I that? saw it all. You saw that? I saw it all. So, again, you go, you go, you have to decide that you are making an original film based on familiar characters, yeah. based on a familiar story. You don't watch Steven's film. I, did, yeah. I didn't. The minute I got the job, I said, it's somewhere deep in the crevices sure. in my heart. Yeah. Great. That's where it stays. Yeah. What the thing I did read a lot though was Alice's book. Well, because of course. that's abstract. And I could, I could, I could, I could with between the poetry, I could find myself in it. Right. But ultimately it was really about choosing an edge and deciding that we're gonna make an original film. Right. Now it was going to encapsulate a few things. One, visually, we had to set ourselves apart. Yeah. And this is where Dan Lawson and I talked a bunch. We first decided, okay, first of all, you cannot, we cannot shoot a, a period film the way we're used to seeing them, which is, you know, sepia tone and, and, yeah, and no, fade, no. you know, yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. One, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a false equivalent in that people use photographs that have survived, I don't know, 100 years as the references, which is deceptive because the reality is that these people lived in color. We had yeah. to push into the photographs. Right. And it was even more vibrant if you think about it. Sure. You know, there wasn't ACs. There weren't right. the, the kinds of lights that existed were warm and broad day and southern light. So things were vivid. So Dan and I decided very early that we were going to lean into like Forget about how we think about period films. We're going to lean into what it really was to Make be it now. There. Make it now. So yeah. that was one. The second thing was musically, right? How are we going to make sure that not only are we, and this is where now I can go back to all those years of making music. Yeah. Because one thing I know, playing, I don't know, I've lost count, hundreds if not thousands of shows yeah. over my entire musical career. The trying. Yes, the trying. <laughs> one thing I learned is that Music doesn't come out the sky. Yeah. Right? And certainly black music does not come out the sky. I mean, if you go from the from the spirituals that became gospel, gospel that comes blues, blues that become jazz and births everything else. Yeah. The music always has a source. Yeah. You know, is it is it, you know, does the drummer start it off? Yeah. You know? Right. Does the you know, does the bassist, you know, do doom doom like like it always has the voice. The voice. You know, mm. does the voice just lead? Mm. Yeah. You know, what is it? It's so, all in there. I, so that's what we leaned into, yeah. was always going, what's diegetic that can kick this off? Because I watched almost every musical in existence. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I mean, and I, I got to tell you, that's hard. So you're in preparation. In man. preparation. I mean, so many of them are not good. Some great ones. <laughs> yeah. Some great ones. And the ones that were great, the reason I think they were great was that they always had a source. Yeah. An American in Paris. Oh, yeah. boy. Gene yeah. Kelly, da 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 We're into music. And I was I was like, those are the ones that that's the kind of musical I want to make. Yeah. And so if you from the opening shot, 
the horse's hoofs. Yeah. That build a cadence. That's right. Little banjo. Yeah. Little patty cake. Yeah. Okay, now here comes the music. Guys building the house. Yeah. Or putting up posters. Yeah. Oh, hammers. Okay, we can turn that into it. So that's how we went into making And that's this. That's essentially cinematic. You're not doing that on stage. No, you're not. Right. Exactly. Because you can just, they're there. They're there. It's a visceral experience. (laughs) Exactly. So how do you bring them into the visceral experience visually? Visually. That's what it became about. Mm. And I think those were the... Those are the things fundamentally that Dan and I and the whole gang, Fatima, Robs, we were always going, how can we make this lived in? When I split up the music into three parts, gospel, blues, and jazz, yeah. I went out, I found Ricky Dillard, who's a gospel aficionado. Yeah. I found Cab Mo, who's yeah, a yeah, blues, sure. man, blues master. I brought in Christian McBride on jazz. Yeah. And I got these three guys together. And I yeah. said, guys, this music we've gotten from Broadway. Right. It's great for Broadway. Right. But we've got to make it lived in. Yeah. People have to feel like this thing is coming out of the souls of these people. Yeah. yeah. How are you going to do that? And I mean, having those masters, phenomenal. And that's how we arrive here. Well, that's interesting because, you know, you had complete faith in the ensemble's emotional, emotional capacity to do the humanity of the parts. So then you can like go, all right, that's set. That's it. So now we do this. Yes. Then how do you approach the dance? Yes. Same way? Same way. Fatima and I sat through it and we said, listen, because I had this whole concept around, first of all, scale. Yeah. We were going to make the biggest version of this property as it's ever existed. Yeah. Proximity, proximity to audience today. Like, you can't make a musical set 100 years ago and nobody have a way in. You have to be proximate to audience. But you didn't cheat. No. No, because, because you know what it is? Because you're, you're looking at the continuum. What you're saying is, what has survived? Right. Because, you know, African-American life, history, and culture is an ongoing thing. Yeah. You know, the dances these kids do today, yeah. they think they're inventing. No, dude, yeah. it's just, it goes back. Sure. So the thing is, you know, some of the fashion style. I mean, Mr.'s hat. I remember I, w- I went on uh, in the truck and I said, guys, we only want stuff that I think is cool to wear today. If I'm going to steal something off this truck and go rock, to, tonight yeah. to a party right that's what we're using yeah so so that's what I want you to find me I don't want you to find me yeah it's period correct great everything's gonna be period correct but, but find what's be cool, cool. <laughs> yeah. find what's cool but like but you didn't do that dumb trick with dialogue or rhythm or anything no. else where you sort of all of a sudden you're out of it because like they wouldn't say no, that no exactly no we were very on it yeah. it was but it but the thing and then authenticity was my last pillar yeah SPA scale proximity and authenticity. Yeah. Authenticity was always going to keep us in check. So that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. So sometimes I go, it was always about passing it between Francine on costumes, Dan on, on cinematography, yeah. Paul, and Fatima. Yeah. And then some, so one person takes proximity. So maybe Fatima might add a dance move that feels current. Right? Yeah. Good for you. But then in that, Francine's got to make sure we're authentic. Right. And Dan's got to make sure we got scale. Yeah. Or Paul's got to make sure we... So it, it was literally... And every meeting we'll have, I'll go, who's taking scale? Really? Okay. Who's taking proximity? Yeah. And who's taking authenticity? Yeah. Because every shot has to have all three. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. It's the only way you can make something that resonates today, but feels authentic and grounded. Yeah. And yet still feels like the biggest thing you're watching. Right. Because again, the other thing is, remember, Seely's life is a life on a farm, ultimately. Yeah. It's a very, you know, it's a small world. Ultimately, how do you make that world expansive, 
an epic? Well, that comes from how do you deal with her headspace? How do you sure. deal with environments? Her need to her escape. Her need to escape. That's it. Escapism. Mm. Right, and I, I find I found that that was the that was the great mix of having all these people working in yeah. harmony, trying to find this end goal. Yeah, yeah. and it came out beautiful, Thank moving. You. Thank you. A lot of crying, Oof. and uh, you know the audience was engaged. How you find it with every screening? It's same magical. Mm. Listen, it's even crazy. I was just in Brazil. And I, you know, you go to Brazil. Well, it's not in English. I mean, it's not in Portuguese. Right. Okay. You know, some subtitles, but they're probably gonna miss most of the jokes. They yeah. Probably miss a lot of it. Dude, blew my mind. They got it. laughed at everything, cried sure. at everything, yeah. gasped. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And then you go, boy, this thing's working. Yeah. In every room I've been in, I hear the, I, I hear it all. Yeah. And what a, what a, I couldn't, I couldn't have imagined it. But somehow too, I was like, I was like, it's the only version to make. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, I mean, it's not like you couldn't have imagined it, but you did. Yeah. <laughs> kind of right. It's crazy. No, no, you. I mean, you. Not only did you imagine it, you had a plan, yeah. and you put the infrastructure in place yeah. with the people that you could trust, who were brilliant, and you manifested the plan. That's it. Wow. Good job. I'm. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm in. I'm. I'm still. I'm still in wonderment. Yeah. Honestly, it yeah. is. It is. I mean, what a. And every time I get to talk about it with my cast, yeah. I mean, the emotion. And, yeah. and I'm also realizing what this means to them. Yeah. You know, Fantasia being written off, yeah. done. Yeah. Oh, American Idol, she'll never amount to anything. Yeah. And watching her have a moment right now. Oh, she was so good. I mean, oh, the acting and the. Goodness. That's the other trick is that you're making. You know, she, you know, she knew how to sing real. Yes. Yeah. So that was that was in place. Yes. Same with Millie. Yes. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Really, really fortunate. Great job, man. And and it's good talking to you. Oh, it's amazing. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, buddy. Good. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I love that guy. Man, we had it going. Got on a nice groove there. The color purple opens in theaters on Monday, December twenty-fifth. Hang out for a minute, folks. Folks, now it's time to catch up on Full Marin episodes if you're a new subscriber or if you haven't signed up yet. Go check out our talk about some of the problematic episodes from our past. That's Archive Deep Dive from August 15th. I just ordered a a copy of Crimes and Misdemeanors by Woody Allen. And, you know, I know what Woody Allen did and I know where he stands in the world. But I don't know that I can separate that movie being a masterpiece, you know, from who he is. Yeah. But it it's still like it's still part of me. That's right. And my my belief in in that piece of work. Yes. And I think this speaks to the the ideas that we're talking about here about leaving things up that you can't, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's right or left reasons or ethics or whatnot, erasing history generally is not a great idea. That's right. Yeah. Right, but that's the thing. It's like I'm never obviously never going to go erase this Louie episode, but if I went unannounced and reposted it today, so it's the first thing that shows up in your podcast feed tomorrow, yeah. it would be loaded. Right. Like that's a that's all, that's a statement in and of itself to just put put that episode back out there without context. But is, what is it though if you just date it because no matter but what But that's you, what it, it would need it would need more than just to have the date on it. Yeah. It would have to have like 
we're putting this up there because we still consider it the best episode. Right. But also, like, no matter what you do, you know, people are going to have their feelings, perceptions, and beliefs about, you know, that person. And they're going to bring that to the episode. And that's just going to be the way it's going to be. We have two bonus episodes every week. So sign up by going to the link in the episode description or go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF+. And speaking of the full Marin, next week we have a Mark on Movies Christmas Day special. We'll have a collection of some of the movie talk we've done in the past year. Then on Thursday, my old friend, Mappy Davis, who's a comedian who I knew many years ago, we're both sober guys. He went into the obstacle race game and he made a documentary about that. But we also had some personal stuff we had to deal with. This is a very uh, a kind of engaged episode between a couple of guys that took different paths, but were once on the same one. Kind of getting some shit straight. Exciting. Yeah. Matt B. Davis on Thursday. Okay. Here's some pretty simple guitar that just made me feel nice. Lives, monkey and the fonda, cat angels everywhere.